الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اقتربت الساعة وانشق القمر وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن خمس عن عمره فيما أفناه وأن شبابه فيما أبلاه وأن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه وعن علمه ماذا عمل فيه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسوس بكتر علماء الكرام برزيزان اللس من آيات في القرآن الشريف in numerous ahadith the description of qiyamah is given the details about qiyamah are given the quran sharif the closeness of qiyamah has been repeatedly brought to the attention of every person so qiyamah is a very very major event that will have to be passed by every single person and therefore such a major moment in a person's journey of akhirat he obviously has to be prepared for it one is the small qiyamah that every person has to face already before that big qiyamah man mata faqad qamat qiyamatuhu bi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that the person who passes away at the time when his moth comes his qiyamah his personal qiyamah has already come but he still has to face the general qiyamah his personal qiyamah the moment malakul maut comes in front of him that is his qiyamah and the crux of qiyamah is accountability the day of qiyamah a person will have to account for his deeds person who understands accountability then he conducts himself in a very different way somebody feels accountable that i am answerable i am accountable whatever i am doing i have this money which i have been asked to spend for certain work so i have to come back and give a full detail to the employer or whoever has entrusted me with that task that what did i do with it how did i spend that money what did i buy with it and what did i do with whatever else was bought with it so all these details i have to bring back and give to the employer or to whoever has tasked me so now he is very careful about how he is doing it it mustn't be in a loss it mustn't get lost itself it mustn't be something that he misunderstood what the instruction was he was told to buy something he bought something else so now he is concerned about all these things because he is accountable and somebody feels my money i can do what i want how i want and i don't have to answer to anybody so he's carefree about it he's carefree if he feels that this thing is worth half the price say i buy it for double the price why should i bother i don't have to answer to anybody so there's a world of difference between the person who feels that he is accountable and the person who feels that i'm not answerable to anybody this is mine i can do as i wish so therefore a person who feels that he is not answerable so if he wastes something he just 
uses it in a way which is purely just destroying it, doesn't matter to him. He doesn't feel anything about it. So the same is with this life. Many a person, sometimes when he's advised, it's my life, who are you to tell me? It's my life. So one is a person feels his mind, it's my time, my life, it's mine. So I'm not answerable to anybody else. I may do as I please. But then the other person is a person who understands, no, no, it's not my life. It's Allah Ta'ala's amanat to me. It's not my time. It's Allah Ta'ala's amanat. And I'm going to be answerable for all this. So now there's a world of difference between how both people will conduct their lives. One person now feels accountable, answerable. So everything that he is doing now, he is concerned. That would I have to answer for this also. One Sahabi was making wudu and he was using a little bit of excess water. Rasulullah happened to see that and he asked him, Mahada Sarif. What is this wastage all about? In other words, how, how come you wasting the water? So he was surprised because wuzu is an ibadat and it just crossed his mind in this way. He thought about it in this way that perhaps the more water you use, you're using water for an ibadat. So because that water is being used for the ibadat, then that perhaps might be fine to use a bit extra also. So he asked Nabi Wasallam that even in wuzu is this israf? So Nabi Islam replied, Naam, yes. Even if you're making wudu at a river that's flowing, so now the water that is going to be used is eventually going to fall back and eventually will flow in the same river. It will fall onto the ground, onto that sand on the bank, it will get absorbed in there and it will make its way back into the river. So in reality, any drop that got used there still didn't go to waste in, in, in technically. Technically it didn't go to waste. It went back into the stream. Nabi Islam said, but you used more than was necessary. So you used more than one that was necessary, that too became Israf. So now a person who is concerned about answerability, he's concerned about all these things, that would he be have to require to answer for this? There is that incident which we discussed previously as well. There is no reference for this. It's perhaps the moral of the story that's required. And the moral is really something that's extracted from ahadis. The moral is extracted, but the incident is not something that you'll find anywhere. So it's perhaps somebody has a lesson that one person... One king passed away and he said that whoever spends the first night of my time in the grave with me, half my kingdom must be given to him. So half the kingdom to somebody who spends just one night with me in my grave. So one poor person who was a woodcutter, when this announcement was made, he thought, what do I have to lose? I have nothing. I own absolutely nothing. I just have the one axe of mine. And there's nothing else to my name. And if anything happens to, I really got nothing to lose. Nobody else was prepared to take this chance. He said, okay, fine. I'm ready for it. 
So now he went one day, one night, they put him inside also. Now suddenly, the angels came to question. So you see there's two people here, one is lying but the other one is sitting. So you know, let's start off with this fellow who's sitting. He says, well, what do you have? So he said, what do I have? I've got nothing. All I have is this one axe. So, well, okay, the one axe, fine, the axe has got two parts to it. One is the blade, the other is the handle. So the handle was wood. Where did you get this from? Did you cut it off from a tree? Did you take the owner's permission? Or did you buy it from him? Or how did you acquire this? So by the time that still he was being questioned about that handle, and the night went away. So when they opened up the grave here, and out he said, please keep my axe also, I don't want anything. Leave the half kingdom. I couldn't finish answering for this axe, we are going to answer for the half, half of the kingdom. Now this might just be somebody put this as a moral, but the reality is this. The reality is the end result. That this is a reality. There is a question. There is answerability. And this is something which a person who is conscious of this answerability, then he conducts him, his life very differently. He is conscious about how he uses his tongue. Because it is answerable. مَا يَلْفِزُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ Whatever he utters, there is an angel ready to record it. And it's being recorded. And it will be played back. How he's using his eyes? He's answerable. He'll be questioned about it. What is he listening to? How is he engaging his heart deliberately? One is just stray thoughts which he didn't give any attention to. Then no matter what amount of those stray thoughts can pass through his heart, came and went, he didn't give any attention to it. That's something beyond his control. He's not answerable for it. But he's deliberately engaging his heart in that thoughts. That evil thought, that wrong thought, now he is occupying his heart, this gift of Allah Ta'ala, with something that Allah Ta'ala is displeased with. So now, إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُعَادِ كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا Person's hearing, his sight, his heart, was that heart clean, clean of malice, clean of jealousy, clean of pride, clean of arrogance, was it clean? Oh, why all these things harbored in the heart. So this is what is being brought to our attention in so many ahadiths. In the hadith sharif that was recited at the beginning, Rasulullah says that the no person will move from the spot he is standing on. No person will move from the spot he is standing on until he answers four questions. Five questions according to this particular hadith, five, in some it's four mentioned, some it's five, but the sum total of it is the same. So again the first message in this is the questioning. Qiyamah is all about questioning, answerability. So now the questions are going to happen on the day of Qiyamah, that is the audit that's going to take place, but it's going to be about the life in this world. Answering will happen there, but the life in this world is what he's going to have to answer for. So the first thing Nabi Islam says, An umurihi afna. How did he spend his life? The whole life was amanat. So now all his moments of life, he's going to have to account for it. Where he went, what he did, 
how he spent his youth, that's the second question. Now the whole life, whole life includes youth as well. But youth is a very special part of a person's life. The health Allah Ta'ala gives a person in his youth, he doesn't have that health in his old age. The vigor and the strength that he has in his youth, he doesn't have in his old age. What he is able to achieve in his youth, in terms of what he can physically do, that is not something he can achieve in his old age. In his old age, everything is on a decline. And in youth, Allah Ta'ala blessed him with everything at its peak. The youth is what will generally determine how his old age will go. In terms of his health also, he looked after his health in his youth, he will generally have better health in his old age also. Spiritually, he created a good foundation. By and large, inshallah, this will continue. There's opportunities later also, but it's not so easy. So this is a very special part of his life. And therefore, a special question about the youth. In his life, in his youth, in particular, in the life in general, he will be questioned about how he conducted his life. That whole life surrounds two things. It revolves around basically just two things. Hukukullah and Hukukul Ibad. That's the end of it. Everything is summarized in these two things. There's no third thing that gets left anything for the third thing. It's all in these two things. It's either the rights of Allah Ta'ala or the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Person has fulfilled the rights of Allah Ta'ala and the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Then this person now will be able to answer comfortably on the day of Qiyamah and move on. Sometimes a person, mashallah, is fulfilling some rights of Allah Ta'ala, but he's shirking very, very greatly in Hukukul Ibad. Sometimes a person, mashallah, is very good in Hukukul Ibad, but he's shirking in the rights of Allah Ta'ala. This is a major imbalance. Either way, in one hadith sharif, Nabi Islam says, the three people, several categories of people, are promised Jannah directly. And among those categories, one is the person who fulfilled, he was a slave. Person was a slave and he fulfilled the rights of his master and the rights of Allah Ta'ala. Now why is particularly this person? Because now he's a slave. Slave in those days when slavery existed, he was totally owned. Whatever command and instruction is given, he had no choice but to do it. And now in those circumstances, sometimes he's being instructed in odd times and odd commands and to do things in a any time and every time. But in all that also, he did not allow the commands of Allah Ta'ala to get neglected. So he really did a wonder that despite being totally owned, he's not even an employee, he's beyond that. He is totally owned. He's got no choice but to accept the instructions of his master. But now at the same time, the master of all masters, Allah Ta'ala, has given him instructions. And he's making sure he's balancing it all. And he's fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala, fulfilling the commands of that master without breaking Allah Ta'ala's command. He has done a great wonder. 
this person is now given this glad tiding. So this is that balancing act. That a person obviously has to fulfill the commands of Allah Ta'ala, but without neglecting the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala also. Many a times a person becomes so enthusiastic about deen sometimes. But in a way that he is neglecting what his rights, what his responsibilities are towards the makhluk. Sometimes it's even one's own parents. Parents are neglected. Which is a major situation. It's, a, it's mentioned in some narrations. Musa wasalam, he once asked Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, who is going to be my companion in Jannat? So the wahi and revelation came to him that you go to a certain village, there's one young person there who is a butcher. The butcher of that time was a street side butcher. He would slaughter something for the day and sell it off. There was no other big place to store all the whatever meat he had. Whatever he had to sell for the day was sold for the day. The next day he slaughter something else and sell it. He, Musa salam thought to himself, butcher is going to be the companion of Kalimullah in Jannat. In any case, he went to seek this person. He got there towards the evening. This person now was just wrapping up his work and he had taken a piece of that meat that he had left, put into one parcel and he was now getting ready to leave for home. Musa salam asked him, can you take a stranger along home for the night? He said, why not? Those days... There weren't all these formalities. A very simple time, simple people, no formalities, very, very straightforward. Nowadays there's so many formalities in everything that a person thinking about what to, whether to even make a request, his mind gets tired. And then somebody made the request how to reply and how to respond to it, that person's mind gets tired also. Because there's so many, in, between so many formalities and so many sensitivities to consider and how he might take it and how he might feel about it and ten other things. Those days, the hearts were open, things were simple, there were no formalities of this nature. So in any case, when Musa requested, it was straightforward thing, by all means, come along. So he took him along, he doesn't know who he's speaking to, he doesn't know this is the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, the Musa In any case, they come to his house, he comes to his house, he first washes up, cleans up for himself. Then he, that meat that he brought along, he chops it up in small little pieces and he cooks something which is what we can call like a soup. Then he comes, there was something hanging like a basket, huge basket hanging on some hook. He lowers that basket down very gently. He lowers that basket down, Musa Islam sees there is a very old and frail woman in here, extremely old and frail. Now this person, probably there was nobody else to ever help him out with this responsibility. He has to earn, he has to take care of his mother. This was his mother. So in any case, he maybe to make sure she is not attacked by anything or any animal or any cat or dog might come inside. So this was probably how he took care of the situation. So now he lowered this, then he first cleaned her, etc. Then he brought that food that he had cooked. And he is very, very gently feeding her. And each time that he is feeding her one spoon of that, her lips are moving. Meaning she is having that muscle and she is 
saying something, but now he can't hear what she's saying. So eventually when he finished off feeding her, Musa salam now saw this whole scene. So he asked him that, who is this? He says, it's my mother. She's very old. There's nobody else to look after her. So this is how I manage my day. I have to earn also. And I have to see to her too. So this is what I do. See, when you were feeding her, what she was saying? Her lips were moving. She was saying something. What she was saying? So he tried to brush it off. Don't worry. No, what she was saying? See, every time that I feed her, she gives me dua. May Allah ta'ala make you the companion of Musa salam in Jannat. So Musa salam said, take the glad tidings. I am Musa, the Nabi of Allah ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala has already informed me that you will be my companion in Jannat. Now, this is something which person, the mind doesn't go in this direction that this is such a great thing that a person is serving his parents, making khidmat of them. If a person is now in a situation where the parents are in need of their khidmat, they are in need of it, they require it, they have that need because of their health condition, whatever the situation might be, and at that time is the time this person now is already booked to go for Umrah for example. Oh, he's whatever else, which is not something that, is, uh, that he has to do. What does he give priority to? Generally, what would be the situation? MashaAllah, many would understand the priority. But, many a times that priority, forget the priority, there is no consideration given to it. Not even considered that I should be thinking of something else here. Because, that answerability is forgotten. That this is now a haq, a right of that parent who is in need of their khidmat at that time. One is, mashallah, they're managing, they're not of that situation where they require their khidmat. Alhamdulillah, no problem. But now this is the lesson of their hukukul ibad. One personality, Shahar ibn Hawshab, rahimahullah, so he writes that once he came to some village and at the end of that village was a Qabristan was a graveyard so just the graveyard was there and there were some small little homes around there too so outside one home was one old lady sitting and she was weaving some cotton now that was like a very menial job somebody doesn't have anything that they could do anything else this would be the thing that they would somehow earn some money with it was a very very basic job, you'll earn a very little out of it. Now she is busy just doing that. And it was the time between Asr and Maghrib. So he is on the one hand just happened to see this old lady sitting and weaving this cotton and suddenly to his amazement he notices that suddenly one grave, because this whole graveyard is just across and all the graves are visible there, one grave just opens out and one person emerges from that grave. And his form is human, but his head is the head of a donkey. And three times he brayed loudly, and then suddenly disappeared back in the grave and it closed up. He was totally stunned and amazed. What is this? So the people who, other people were walking around, somebody was there, standing there, they saw him, this is a stranger, and they saw the shock on his face. They asked him that, did you see this woman sitting here? Weaving the cotton. He said, yes. Say, well, what you just saw now, that was her son. 
That was his woman's son. And he would come daily, he was caught up in drinking. So he would come daily in a drunken state. When he would come, his mother would start, repeatedly this would be the case, his mother would start advising him, look, what are you doing? This is, you're destroying your life, destroying your akhirat. Whatever she might have been advising him. So every time that she would start advising him, in that drunken state of his, the standard statement of his would be, how long are you going to carry on brain like a donkey? And every time that this, this would be the standard response from him, how long are you going to carry on brain like a donkey? And then it happened one day, it was between Asr and Maghrib, and he suddenly just dropped dead. So when he dropped dead, they buried him in this cover. But ever since, in that time, roughly the time that he passed away, every day this is the scene that everybody witnesses. Now, these are realities of life, these are things which get sometimes overlooked or not even given any thought. This is something that is reality that we have to be taking note of, that this answerability is coming. Accountability is there, we have to be account, giving an account of our deeds, how we conducted ourselves, what we gave priority to, our whole life. So, this is the first question on the day of Qiyamah. An umrihi fi ma'afna, a person's life, how he spent his life. And out of that whole life, his youth in particular. How he conducted his youth. And then, وَعَنْ مَالِهِ مِنْ أَيْنَ اكْتَسَبَهُ وَفِيمَ أَنْفَقَ His wealth, how did he earn it? But many a person says, well, I earned it from halal, so it's fine now, I can do as I wish. No, you only did half the job still. Earned it in halal, from halal there's only half the job. You have to spend it how Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. That's the other half. Answerable for the first half, answerable for the second half as well. Many years ago, maybe over 12-15 years ago, there was one very senior alim had come from Pakistan, Allama Khalid Mahmoud Sahib, still alive in his late 90s, had come down recently also, very old and frail, but in that old age of his also, when he came now about one and a half years ago, so he gave a talk, the Madrasa also, two hour talk he gave in that, after having travelled from Newcastle, and just reached, and gave a two hour talk, he's in mid 90s, so that time when he came, maybe 15, almost 20 years ago, so one day, he was seated there, and Something, whatever was spilled or some, whatever the need might have been, I can't recall exactly. But there was a roll of toilet paper there. So somebody quickly unrolled that and to use up a portion of that to either wipe something or whatever it might have been. So he observed how this person is just, so he told, suddenly he stopped him. He says, look, how much is required for this? You sure you didn't take more than that? See, you think you're not going to be answerable for this. Now, the toilet paper, who gives a second thought to it? Now that was being used to just, something might have spilt or whatever it might have been. But he was taken aback, how much you unrolled for that, for this task? But now those who have this consciousness, weak people like us, maybe that might be even something we can probably, we might get, have it overlooked. But the, the concept, the concept and that consciousness, 
that this is something that we are, it's all amana samallah How we earn it, we're going to be answerable for that too. And then how we spent it, the fuqaha have given a lot of latitude in this. One is a person is spending something for his need. So obviously need is need. He needs to eat, so he has bought, so on his food, so he's going to spend. On top of that, if he can afford to have it in some comfort, they've given him that permission also. Over and above that comfort, it might not be something that's actually directly going to be beneficial in the form of comfort. But it's something that makes him feel happier, he's doing it for just to feel more comfortable in the sense of the environment that he's in. One is a comfort of something physical. Now a person installed a fan now, he put an air conditioner, that's a direct benefit to his physical self. But some things are not even of that nature. But now he painted his house. So now that without that paint also life would carry on. But now he feels a little bit more so giving him permission for that too. But where it starts crossing that line that's beyond the purpose of comfort or the purpose of just feeling better about something but now it is passing that line of has gone to the line of competition it's gone to the line of just making an impression it's gone on to the past the border and is now in trying to now just do things in a certain style to be able to say something and post it somewhere and for everybody to the whole world must now know where I went and what I did and how I did it. In which style. So then that's now very, very far beyond the boundaries. That's now something which Allah Ta'ala save us. All these things are things that we are going to have to answer for. So on Malihi min Aina Tasabahu wa Fima Anfaka. Where did he earn his wealth from? And how did he spend it? And the knowledge that Allah Ta'ala blessed him, how much he practiced according to it. Whatever extent of knowledge a person has, somebody has certain amount, somebody little bit more, somebody even more, each person will be questioned according to the knowledge Allah Ta'ala blessed him, that how much of amal was made in accordance with knowledge. We have knowledge of the ibadat, was the ibadat in conformance to it. We have knowledge of the aspects of mu'amalat, whatever we have understood and learned, so how much is our mu'amlat and monetary dealings conforming to that? Likewise, the knowledge of ma'asharat and social life, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves with our parents, with our spouses, with our children, with our neighbors, with others? They are broad principles that we have heard and learned so many times. Likewise, in akhlaq and all the other aspects that we learn. So this is something that we have to be conscious about. <coughs> all this is something that's answerable on the day of Qiyamah. So in this Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam is preparing us for this. That a person who keeps his Hadith in front of him, <coughs> and he conducts his life, then inshallah he'll be prepared for that day. And that answerability will become easy for him. Obviously, eventually we are totally dependent on the Fazl of Allah Ta'ala. Because with all the caution that we will take, we are so weak that we will still err very, very much. But the person who makes an attempt, who's consistently trying to improve himself, to better himself. Allah Ta'ala will show his fuzzle on him. Allah Ta'ala will open the doors for him. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.